but God does not take no for an answer. Just ask Jonah or Jesus. Sometimes, in days like these, what might God be calling you to do, or our church to do? This story reminds us that the answer can be God calls you or me or the church to leave. Welcome to this August 30th edition of the Redheaded Preacher, and it comes to you from Laurel Park in Skokie, Illinois. That's where it was recorded. There was a wind, and I hope that wind does not interfere with uh, your ability to listen to the message, which is called Among the Overcomers. That's based on the epistle reading at the very end, which is read, uh, it's Romans 12, 9 through 21. And it, along with Exodus chapter 3 and Matthew 16, selected verses, read by Katie Shirky Aguayo, um, those are the scripture readings, and that's the sermon title. And um, I hope you will enjoy and find this message uh, challenging as well as affirming. In our first reading, the Lord spoke to Moses through a burning bush. That was sure to get his attention. And God revealed his own unique name to Moses. God does reveal God's self to us through these holy passages as we listen in faith. The Lord is still speaking in those ancient words, getting our attention, calling us to do as God says. That first reading I mentioned is Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. While the Hebrew people groan under the oppression of their Egyptian masters, Moses is on the lamb from killing an Egyptian. He has gotten married and got a job in the family business. Our story picks up here. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. 
The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. This ends the reading from Exodus. Our epistle is from Paul's letter to the Roman church, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Paul gives some beautiful exhortations about how Christians are to be in the world, including how to react to our enemies. Paul wrote, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lag in zeal, but ardent in spirit, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, Live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Our gospel lesson today is Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. Like with Romans 12, this is a continuation of the passage we heard last week when Peter confessed Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus tries to explain to them what kind of Christ he is meant to be. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. 
and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Here ends the reading of Matthew and our scriptures for this morning's service. May God give us a wise understanding of this, God's holy word. Every day, it seems like there is something new for you and I to cope with. News about COVID or what's happening in Washington. One or the other party's convention. Our church's turn to provide for the community kitchen's meal. Another black person and or police officer and or citizen killed or injured. Wildfires in California, Hurricane Laura doing their damage. Another peaceful protest against racial injustice ruined by later violence, looting, or those Kenosha murders. It can leave you or me feeling helpless. It does not have to. Now in terms of learning more about systemic racism, I've shared with you books to read, and there are many other ways to learn more. The Micah 6-8 Committee offered the White Privilege course, and I know there are plenty of places either to donate or to get involved one way or another, including through the, our United Church of Christ and other avenues of broader outreach. One of those is the Poor People's Campaign. Sometimes you or I get a calling, or a call, but I'm thinking of calling. It might, or it might not, fit into the suggestions above. But as I read today's passages and thought about all the stuff going around us, going on around us, let alone what may be going on within us, one thing struck me in these passages. In both Exodus and Matthew, God is calling. In Exodus, the Lord calls Moses to go to Pharaoh and liberate the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt so God can begin to really make them a people. Yes, it is part of the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham and Sarah hundreds of years before. It's a stage in the process. But this call is also born out of God hearing their cries. It comes out of God's empathy for their suffering. You heard Katie read it. God said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, the verb for God to know their sufferings is the same Hebrew verb used in Genesis when we read that Adam knew Eve, his wife. This tells us that God has a very intimate, personal, powerful understanding, kind of knowledge, almost experiential, of their anguish. God is calling Moses, not only for the purpose of, of moving the promised fulfillment along, 
but because God hears and truly cares and wants to do something about it. Out of that, God calls Moses. And specifically for this message, God calls Moses to lead. Moses resists. He poses questions and resists. He is unfit for such a calling. He's got reasons, excuse me, that for to say no. But, you know, he's even persona non grata in Egypt because he killed an Egyptian in defense of a fellow Hebrew. But God does not take no for an answer. Just ask Jonah or Jesus. Sometimes, in days like these, what might God be calling you to do? Or our church to do? This story reminds us that the answer can be God calls you or me or the church to lead. This church has leaders. It has been blessed by the stewardship of leaders throughout our 153-year history. And in these times, with awakened and active desires to be allies in the struggle for racial equality on a deep scale, with COVID gumming up the works of our old patterns and passions, with an economy laid low by high unemployment. In these times, the Lord may be calling us for leaders to help us address and participate in these arenas. As the words of one hymn go, new occasions teach new duties. Time makes ancient good uncouth. God calls certain folks, even if he, she, or they do not see that, or do not want to see that, to lead. You know, there's an old saying, God does not call the equipped, God equips the called. And some people may say, well, I'm not equipped to do this, I don't have these gifts. Well, God will take care of that. God calls certain folks to lead, even if they feel No, you've got to be looking for somebody else. Sometimes that call comes from God's hurting heart. Often you or I may resist a call from God, maybe for years. Let me share with you some words from retired UCC pastor and commentator Catherine Matthews. She wrote, This isn't just a lovely story or a reassuring moment in the faith life of Moses. This is the story of his call from God. And that all-powerful, too-awesome-to-behold God still calls and acts today through the small, intimidated humans God loves. Like Moses, we might consider ourselves inadequate. We might waste time debating why we were called instead of getting to work on the what of the larger purpose our lives have been given. We might also consider the terrible alternative, living a life that is not called. Life is certainly simpler that way, and we are certainly free to say no. In the end, the question, she says, is whether we'll have the courage to listen and respond, trusting that wherever we go, to Egypt, to Pharaoh, to the ends of the earth, we will never be alone. God did tell Moses, in verse 12, after Moses asked, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? The story continued, God said, I will be with you. 
I will be with you. Remembering that, when you are being called by the Almighty to lead, could make a humongous difference within you. I said God is calling in the gospel lesson, too. This, though, is a call by Jesus to follow him. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Jesus' call is a call to discipleship. It's an appeal void of entertainment or promises of easy roads. It is a call to take the same road Jesus took in our own way and in our own time in service to the one who gave his life for ours. It is a call to find the life that truly is life over the superficial old human nature life wherein we really follow ourselves. You and I usually hear this passage during Lent. Following Jesus, though, and giving our lives over to something bigger than ourselves, or in his case, someone bigger than ourselves, is not just for Lent. We know this. Because it's a new way of life with Christ, the embodiment and the sermon of God's grace, and not our egos, ourselves at the center. I remember reading a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer at seminary. I still have it. It's called Christ the Center. Jesus calls us to stop following ourselves and keep our lives of love and faith grounded in his. His life is also one of truth-telling, healing, and service. In John 13, Jesus does lay out discipleship or loving one another as service. Moses called to leadership. Lots of others of us called to servanthood and equipped for it. Being a servant is Christ-like. Jesus came and lived as a servant. He died as the suffering servant for the sins of the world. He died in solidarity with all who suffer at the hands of oppression, fear, and hatred. To serve is to be close to Jesus. How might the Lord be calling you, me, or St. Peter's to serve in these difficult times? It's true, we have not stopped serving. Yesterday, the kitchen was able to fulfill its pledge to feed the hungry and impoverished because of their servanthood and our servant generosity. Jessica sang this morning. We thank her and we thank God for her. Are there others in our number who also God may be calling to serve by way of sharing musical gifts with us? Or to join the nursery rotation when we go back to the building and have nursery again. To help us help others participate in voting in the upcoming election as part of the UCC's Our Faith, Our Vote outreach.
And when a member of the nominating committee talks to you about an opportunity to serve the church in this or that capacity, let yourself listen to hear if Jesus is using that person to call you into that form of service in this wider body of believers. I cannot leave the topic of service and leadership without acknowledging that much, if not most, of great and effective leadership and great service is servant leadership. Think about it. Who among us is someone to whom we have given or who has earned authority in a family, in a church, or some beneficial agency? In other words, reflect on our leaders, past and present, and see how in so many ways they are servants, too. In faith, those who serve a lot, in whatever capacities, are those to whom we turn for expertise, for advice, maybe mentorship, and leadership. Moses was the called leader, but he had to do so much of the work and bore so much of the stress and strain of the exodus and those 40 wilderness years and all these bickering people, he was clearly also their servant, a servant leader. This was first pointed out to me in seminary. Those who lead often start out first as servants, and whether it was their next calling or not, they find themselves in positions of authority. If there was a priest, a rabbi, or minister who turned away from visiting and calling, from working on sermons and helping staff the committees and boards, and yet, at the same time, whose demeanor, if not his or her words, came across as demanding, expecting others to do more than their fair share, or even be indifferent. How much authority is that pastor, priest, or rabbi really going to have? If you do not have a servant's heart, you probably do not belong in the ministry. And if God has not called you, then you certainly are in the wrong place. Pastoral ministry is but one small example. I think of our Women's Guild and its board members do lead by the services they provide to the Guild and to St. Peter's. Think of those elected to an office or to a board who put in, and some of those who aren't, but all the same, put in a lot of volunteer hours. Think of them and then think, even if there are personality disagreements, are they not still among our leaders? Not all servants make for leaders, but most of the time effective leaders are also servants. They spend a lot of time doing things for others or for the greater good of the body. They spend a lot of time, talents, and maybe other gifts in service not to themselves, but to the church or to wherever they are active. Even Jesus is our Lord Christ, but came as our servant. Servant leadership is much more than just a thing. So you and I are in these COVID times, 
And they will benefit from creative visions to engage these times. God can call us to engage these times as leaders, like Moses, whose labor was in service not only to God and the Hebrews, but in context also to freedom from oppression for his and God's people. God can call us to engage these difficult times as God's servants. As the UCC statement of faith goes, in service to the whole human family. It may be as servants of your family, or of this church, or of other groups seeking to also bring about freedom from oppression, or bring good news, or healing, reconciliation, peace. Most of those called to be leaders find themselves spending a lot of time serving. And some of those called as servant disciples find themselves with leadership authority to meet life's challenges, to the church's challenges, and the challenges of the living of these days. So we've been taxiing, to borrow another person's phrase, we've been taxiing for a while, and very quickly now, let's take off with this plane. Romans 12 tells servants, leaders, and all of us how to carry ourselves. This passage is important to me. I won't read all of it. Paul wrote to the Roman church, Love one another with mutual affection. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Bless those who persecute you. Live in harmony with each other. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. As leaders, as servants, in the service of God, who really knew the suffering of the Hebrews and called Moses to free them, let us heed that call to overcome evil with good. This is not a passive stance. This is not a posture that lets injustice roll down like waters. As leaders, and servant leaders, and servants, let us join and be among the overcomers who will one fine day, by the grace of God, overcome evil with good. Let's you and me be among the overcomers. Amen? Amen. Amen. I forgot to explain why I'm wearing a hat. I should have said that right at the beginning. It's, it's, actually, it looks great, and it's very it really good. You've got okay. beautiful light on you right now. I mean, you look wonderful in the background and everything. Yeah. Um, good. Thanks. Um, Next is a hymn. Yeah, and so I think we can do the prayers and then into the prayer. I have pastoral and silent prayers and the Lord's Prayer, and then there's a charge and benediction.
Unless you have to go. As always, thank you for listening to the Redheaded Preacher podcast of the last Sunday in August. Our next message will be happening on what for us is a communion Sunday, September 6th. And I don't know what the passages are going to be. Uh, I believe Karen Christensen will be our lector. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. Again, I hope you enjoyed this one. And uh, may God bless your week. And stay away from COVID. Amen.